Today, we will be continuing our current sermon series, Two Truths and a Lie. Well, good morning, Riverbend. As, uh, as Joe mentioned, my name's Ed Hanna. I'm one of the elders here at, at Riverbend. Um, my full-time job is to, to lead Lehigh Valley Crew Ministries. Crew is a campus ministry that invests in college students. And uh, the heart behind it is that today's college students are tomorrow's leaders. And so if we bring the gospel to them and have their hearts captured by the gospel, they're going to influence tomorrow's culture. They're going to be tomorrow's leaders, and they're going to affect tomorrow's church, tomorrow's communities, tomorrow's country. So um, we love what we do. Um, I'm also the chaplain for the Iron Pigs, which, um, quick, short plug, um, we have Faith Nights on June 17th. We're going to get more information through email and some of the slides, but it's Friday, June 17th. There's going to be fireworks. There's going to be testimonies from a few of the players um, that I work with in chapel and disciple and lead Bible study with. We'd love for a, a big contingent of Riverbend to come and be a part of the evening. So there's going to be other churches from the area. We'll probably block off as many chairs or seats as we need for Riverbend. We'd love for you guys to sign up. So maybe just save the date, June 17th, Friday, June 17th. It's faith night. So as Joe said, we're going through this series, Two Truths and a Lie. And, and, and basically the premise is, is that God is the way and the truth and the life. And through his word, he gives us truths, truths about himself and how we're to live in light of who he is and, uh, and these truths. So whether, but here's the thing, whether it is through Satan and spiritual attack, or whether it's through the world and its, and its influences, or whether it's just because we have a propensity to jack things up in humanity, don't we? Um, that we often um, fail to live in light of these truths. That we begin to believe lies um, that we think are truths. And you know, I heard it once, I think this is true, but I heard it once, um, that FBI agents who are studying counterfeit money, who are in charge of detecting counterfeit money, they don't go and study every nuance of every counterfeit currency out there because it's constantly changing. Things are always changing, but what they do is, is they study the real thing. They study the real dollars and the real currency so that when you see the, the counterfeit, it's like, ah, I know. I know that's fake because I know what's real. And um, I think it's instructive for us as we navigate this culture, ideologies, perspectives around us that are constantly changing. And that it's crucial for us as believers to continue to evaluate them against the backdrop of the truth of God's word and what he says for us and our lives. Because... Um, it can be tricky sometimes when lies get circulated around because, you know, the best lies are mixed with truth, right? So sometimes it gets really tricky to know. Um, but comparing those ideas, thoughts against the backdrop of God's word. So 
for Christians, we, we believe Jesus is the embodiment of truth. That he is, as, as we walk with him and as we learn his ways, that as, because of that truth, we're going to experience freedom. Because we're living out of this design that he made us. Joe mentioned this a few weeks ago, but there's freedom. There's freedom for those who put their trust in Jesus and um, who live in his ways. But here's the question this morning. How do we handle that freedom with those around us, whether they're people within the church or outside of the church? What is our disposition to them and how we navigate our freedoms? Because everyone has different life experiences, stories that influence their worldviews where they're at. So we're going to spend some time in the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, open them up, power them on, do whatever you got to do. We're going to go to Galatians 5. We're going to have it on the screen as well. But before we go any further, let me, let me pray. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for that truth that we just sang, that you can, that you have the ability, the power, and the control to take things that are broken and make them beautiful. And Jesus, as Mike was sharing this morning, there are so many times we look around at the world around us, the culture, the people, ourselves, and, and, and see the brokenness. And God, thanks that through your grace, and through the power of your spirit, as we keep in step with your spirit, Jesus, that you can make it beautiful. That you can use your kingdom ambassadors to bring your kingdom here. Thanks that we get to live for you and love the valley, Jesus. So we just, we pray that that brokenness and trust in you to make it beautiful would start with us. And that it would affect those around us and the communities around us. So... Jesus, we just invite you into this space. Would you speak through your word to our people? God, we love you. Amen. All right, so Galatians 5. We're going to just we're gonna hone in on the first half of chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You would be justified by the law. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision... Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. 
Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So just some initial observations from the text. You know, lots of language of, of freedom and slavery and bondage and um, circumcision, uncircumcision is mentioned a bunch. Clearly that's on his mind. Grace and law. Check it out in verse 7. It says, you were, running, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You hear Paul's language here. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Paul's telling the Galatian church, they have subtly wandered away from the truth of God's word and the gospel. They started to believe a lie. And see, this was happening even back then. The propensity to believe a lie. And, and it says it's a, a little leaven leavens the, the whole lump. It can affect the whole of, of not only your faith, but the whole of the church. And it spreads. So the question is, what's the topic at hand that's making the, the, the Galatians stumble? Um, so false teachers have come in, told this church, basically that in order, you need to, in order to become a Christian, you need to have faith in Jesus Christ and be circumcised and submit once again to the Mosaic law. They're saying it's not just grace alone through faith alone. It's faith and circumcision. And to Paul, his, like, his red flags are going up um, because this is a distortion of the gospel that he has devoted himself to preach and to suffer for. And the, the distortion of the gospel, this is confusing to this young church, this diverse church of both Jews and Gentiles. The, the false teachers are basically saying to the Gentile believers, listen, you need to be Jewish. You need to become Jewish specifically through circumcision in order, in order to become a Christian. And Paul is trying to help this church identify the lies by pumping them with truth. Pumping them with truth. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor cir- or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Paul has given them the truth. What's the truth? The truth is that circumcision doesn't count for anything. That it's faith alone in Jesus Christ that brings us together as believers. No more law. No more Mosaic law. No more circumcision. We're free in Christ. Free in Christ. So don't go back to those old laws. Don't submit yourself once again to the slavery because you're free. And you could hear how fired up he gets when he's writing this in his chapter. I mean, really, in this whole book, he comes out guns a-blazing in Galatians 1. Check it out. But, um, I mean, you heard it. It says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Whoa, you know? (laughs) Paul is fired up. So listen, the first truth is we are free in Christ. And this is a beautiful truth. It's a beautiful truth, especially to a first century Jew who would have had to obey all of these laws. 
And now listen, for us, in modern times, it's still just as beautiful. Like, we don't need to submit ourselves to the ways of the world, or the ways of the culture, or the people around us, but simply submit ourselves to Jesus Christ alone and his ways, and we'll find freedom. We're free in Christ. And, and we're even free from those tendencies, you guys know it, but this tendency to impose law on ourself, you know, that like, <clears throat> maybe it's you thinking you, you, you need someone else's approval in order to be right. Maybe it's um, bound up in church attendance, right, in order to, in order to gain God's approval. Maybe it's Bible study engagement. Maybe it's perfect behavior. Maybe it's saying the right thing all the time, making the most of every opportunity to share Christ with those who don't yet know him. I mean, there's ways in which we can impose this law on ourselves that if I'm not doing this, I stink. And I'm not right with God. And I need to get it right. Because that's, that's us subtly imposing law on ourselves but we're free, but we're free in Christ. We can reject those and not submit ourselves to the, the slavery of the law that we've put on ourselves. We're free in Christ. It's through faith in Christ alone that we are approved and made right with God and set free. It's not by the law. So now, it's, now the question is, what do we do with the freedom? What do we do with this freedom? And I think this is what Paul's really getting at in this chapter. What do we do with this freedom? Let's continue. We're going to look at verse 13 and 14. It says, But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're not only free in Christ, but we're set free to, to love those around us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So the second truth is we are free in Christ and now we're called to love. And I don't think anyone would refute this truth, right? Like we're Christians and we're called to love those around us. The Bible says we're called to love those around us just the way God loves us. We're to love the family of God, 1 Peter 2. We're to love our enemies, Matthew 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5. Showing selfless love, God's love to a lost and dying world, 1 John 4. Like we, we know these truths. We're to show his love to those around us. But let's just get real specific here because sometimes, sometimes I can hear this language and I'm like, okay, love in the world, got it. You know, and I don't really, it, the, the plane doesn't land in my life. It's just a grand challenge, and it's like, okay, let's get specific. So let's get specific. Who are specific people that you have in your life that God's called you to love? The most obvious would be like families, spouses, close friends. For me, I work with college students, so I'm called to love college students. Who do you spend your time around? Who, uh... Who are your employees or coworkers or neighbors? These are the, I would love for names to begin, spirit-led names to begin to pop into your mind of like, okay, Terry, Bill, Mike, you know, my neighbors, that these are the people I'm called to love. And we're to love them with the same love God has extended to us. 
to love fiercely. And sometimes fierce love can be costly, can it? Check out what Paul says in verse 13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Later in this chapter, Paul gives some examples of the desires of the flesh. He kind of fleshes it out. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, divisions, drunkenness. I won't go through the whole list, but you get the point. It seems to me that these Galatians were not only falling back into Old Testament bondage of law, for God's approval, but on the, on the other side of the pendulum, you have some who are abusing the freedom that they now have in Christ to indulge the flesh, that are causing divisions and strife and making a mess of things. And Paul's saying, that is not God's heart towards your freedom. You're free, but that's not, your, that's not God's heart for, towards your freedom in Christ. So the third truth, love limits freedom. Love limits freedom. This shouldn't be too shocking to those parents out there, should it? <laughs> you know, when you have children, you love them. And, uh, but it moves you to, to, to limit your freedoms that you once had. To love them well. To give them everything they need. So let's put this all together. We're free in Christ. We're called to love. And love sometimes limits freedom. And as you think about the specific people God has placed in your life that you're called to love, there's going to be many times in your life that in order to love them fiercely, you're going to have to limit your freedoms. We have to limit them and lay down our rights for the sake of love, for the sake of showing them the God who is perfect love. And let's just go through a couple ground-level. I thought it would be helpful to flesh it out a little bit more. Um, ground-level examples of how Paul lives this out. So we talked about this, but a good chunk of the book of Galatians is refuting the need for the Gentiles to get circumcised to be right with God and to be in the family of God. It's super clear. Circumcision or uncircumcision, it counts for nothing. Nothing. But check out Acts 16. Verses 1 through 3, Paul, the author of Galatians, came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. You see what happened here. Paul, he spent this whole time in the book of Galatians chilling, telling Gentiles they don't need to be circumcised to be right with God, but he runs into Timothy, one of his disciples, who was born Jewish woman, Greek man. And it says Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him to minister to the Jews. So Timothy was circumcised as an adult man. <laughs> That would not be fun. In 60 AD, that would not be fun either. Uh -uh. Not pleasant. What in the world motivated them? 
what motivated Paul to change his tune on circumcision and Timothy to do this? Love. Love for the people he was called to minister to. They didn't want Timothy, who wasn't circumcised, to be a stumbling block to the Jews to receiving Jesus. So Timothy was free to not be circumcised, totally free. But he was willing to limit his freedoms out of love. Another example from Paul is on the topic of meat sacrifice to idols. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8, verses 7 through 13. Check it out. However, not all possess this knowledge, this knowledge of one true God. But some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We're no worse off if we eat it, and no better off if we do. But take care of this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat the meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So you've got Gentiles coming out of various forms of idolatry and food sacrifice to idols, and they're super sensitive now to this, rightly so, um, to, to eating food that was sacrificed to idols. And they decided, listen, we, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to do it anymore. We're not eating that meat. But then you have Jewish believers who aren't as sensitive to that behavior. These are people of God, and you've got different life experiences where it brings about some rub. And Paul's saying, yeah, you're, you're no better off or no, no better or worse if you eat the meat, but if it causes another brother to stumble, don't do it. I'll never do it. And you see it, what motivates him again to do this? It's fierce love. It's fierce love that will sometimes limit our freedoms, whether it be circumcision or meat sacrifice to idols. I mean, those are issues back in this context, but what about us? What are some issues of the day for us that we need to look through of the lens of, okay, these are freedoms, um, and how may God call me to limit my freedoms because I love these people well and I want to show them the love of God? We have neighbors behind us who, um, they have a funky schedule. I think they wake up at like 3 or 4 in the morning. They're like Chris Dean. I don't think he's here. But it's like, go to bed super early, wake up super early. And we, from time to time, have college students come over and, like, hang out, worship. Um, you know, it's not causing crazy amounts of noise, but sometimes they can sing loudly around our fire pit. And um, this was the end of the year. We had, like, 50-plus students around our fire pit. This was, like, a week ago. Um, and we got a text from our neighbor just saying, ah, Christy got it, and it was like, she's just like, I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to sleep. Can, I don't even think she asked us to do anything, but she would just seemed a little annoyed with us. We're like, oh, whoopsie. And in this moment, we had the choice, right? It's, it's 9 o'clock. It's not like crazy late, but it's 9 o'clock. We have every fright and fright. We have every freedom and right to sing, to worship, 
and let these men and women who love Jesus sing, but or we can lay down our rights, change the plans, come inside so that we can show our neighbor the love of Christ. We don't want to put a stumbling block between anyone coming and experiencing the one true God. So we went inside. We went inside. And, and you know, we're, we're confronted with a lot of these things at various times. Maybe it's the choice of not drinking alcohol when you're dining with a recovering alcoholic. You know? Maybe it's wearing a mask around an elderly or immune-compromised people. I know that's a sensitive topic, but maybe, that, maybe you're willing to lay down your rights around someone like that and wear a mask. We've got to be asking these questions. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but love and serve one another. And it's funny, I, I was thinking, okay, how do we do this? What does this look like? I think Paul goes right into it in the last several verses. He says, but I say walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. So we need to continue to be asking the Spirit of God to direct us, to enable us, to submit our wills to his in each situation. So we're free in Christ. We're called to love. And love limits freedoms. A few questions I'd love for you guys to reflect on. Again, be real specific. Who are you called to love? Neighbor, neighbors, coworkers, family members who can be super tough to love sometimes. Um, but maybe even jot down some names of who you're called to love. How can you use your freedom to love and serve them well? To love them fiercely? And lastly, are there ways in which you feel led to limit your freedoms to love them well and to show them to love the love of Jesus? And as we invite the Spirit to invade these spaces in our lives, just to be willing to lay them down, to lay down our freedoms for the sake of loving others, we're uniting ourselves, guys, in a beautiful way with our Savior because he was willing to do it for us. In Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was willing to lay down his rights and his freedoms. And what motivated him? Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us and that we're yet, while we're sinners, Christ died for us. It's his love. It's fierce, fierce love for us that motivated him to lay down his freedoms to lay down his rights, to take on flesh, to take on the cross, to take on sin and death, and gave us now the freedom to live for him and to live in light of these truths he calls us to and to love others the way he loves us. So guys, let us live in the freedom Christ offers us. And let us limit our freedoms to a world around us who Christ in the same way Christ displayed it to us.
So let me pray. Jesus, um, God, we thank you for your fierce love for your people. And not just for your people, for the world around us. Um, Lord Jesus, would you help us think in light of the freedoms that now we live in. Um, the freedom from law, freedom from the ways in which we impose law on ourselves. And um, would we not use those freedoms as an opportunity for the flesh to indulge or to go back to law in any ways, but to, to live and love the way you love us, that we might love others and serve others. God, would you call us even to limit those freedoms? I think freedom is a delicate topic right now. Um, Jesus, we are free in you. Praise God for that. Um, Jesus, would we not be too stubborn and hard-hearted in our hearts that we wouldn't be willing to limit those freedoms for the sake of love? Because you've done it for us. So Jesus, we just, we give this time to you. We worship you because you are everything we need. God, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.